I told him that collecting ballots was a felony. Oh. You did? Isn't that interesting? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Oh, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From with Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA and in Byron's. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe. Every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from Bradblog.com, and yes, I am a little bit winded today <laughs> just trying to keep up with what's going on here in this remarkable story that we will get to in a moment desi doyan cancel all the guests cancel yeah, all the plans this is nuts this is nuts uh, uh but uh, a good kind of nuts maybe ultimately uh, the only thing i know that well <laughs> the only thing i know we're gonna uh, do here ultimately is get to a green news report a little bit later <laughs> i, hope I so. think we'll see <laughs> Uh, but yeah, see, I told you, I have been telling you now for months, we are not done with the 2018 elections. Uh, you scoffed, but no, they they ain't over, not by a long shot. Uh, the voting has not even ended from 2018, as has now been confirmed on Thursday afternoon with some breaking news that we will get to after detailing some just remarkable moments over the past 24 hours that got us here today and frankly have been chomping at the bit to get on the air over the last 24 hours as all of this has been unfolding. It is quite a story. But, uh, well, pretty much since election night, you will recall in uh, November of 2018 last year, pretty much since then, we have been reporting here on this remarkable case of absentee ballot fraud in North Carolina's U.S. House race in its ninth congressional district, where the Republican Mark Harris was said to have defeated the Democrat Dan McCready, according to the reported results, by just 905 votes out of more than 275,000 votes that were cast in the race. 
That race, the last one to still be decided from the 2018 election, uh, was not certified by the state, and its seat in Congress remains empty today due to the State Board of Elections' refusal to certify the results thanks to the mountain of evidence revealing that a GOP operative hired by the Republican candidate Mark Harris to run his absentee ballot program in two ninth district counties, Bladen and Robison counties, after reports that the operative, a guy by the name of Leslie McCray Dowless and his uh, and his team, uh, after reports that they had unlawfully gone around collecting absentee ballots from voters, and then, as we learned in much more detail. At the State Board of Elections public inquiry on the matter this week, illegally filled in votes for Republican candidates, forged ballots, faked signatures on them, etc. Mark Harris hired this guy after he had previously done this. Uh, he Dallas was specifically hired by the Republican as well as the local Bladen County Sheriff, a guy by the name of Jim McVickers, Dallas was hired for his unique ability to turn out the absentee vote in pretty much inexplicable numbers over the past uh, number of years. It was so inexplicable that back in 2016, the first time that Mark Harris ran for Congress, uh, challenging fellow uh, Republican incumbent Robert Pittenger, both he Pittenger and Harris lost to a third candidate in Bladen County's absentee count by a huge margin. That third candidate that year in 2016 had hired McRae Dallas to run his absentee ballot campaign there. So there was an election fraud investigation after the 2016 race by the State Board of Elections, and they were so alarmed by what they found that they referred the matter to the U.S. attorney in North Carolina for prosecution. Yes, by Donald Trump's Department of Justice, who, you will not be shocked to learn, took absolutely no action in the case despite the referral from the state of uh, North Carolina's State Elections Board. They took no action. Instead, they decided to indict a handful of alleged non-citizen voters who they claimed had committed the type of voter fraud that Donald Trump pretends to be an epidemic across this country. And the reason why he lost to Hillary Clinton by some three million votes in the popular vote count that year that they had plenty of time to focus on. But uh, a massive actual election fraud scandals that were, uh, you know, flipping the results of elections. Well, no time for that. So the DOJ took no action on the Dallas matter after 2016. He was free to be hired at that point by Mark Harris for the 2018 race, where this time Harris defeated the incumbent Republican uh, Robert Pittenger in the in the primary race, thanks to Dallas's help. But Pittenger says that he was dissuaded by state GOP officials from pointing out what seemed to be very clear at absentee ballot fraud in the primary, in the 2018 primary, uh, used once again this time to benefit Harris instead of that uh, third candidate from 2016 who benefited after hiring Dallas. 
So then came the 2018 general election in which Harris defeated uh, the Democrat McCready by just 905 votes with more than a thousand fraudulent ballots in question, or I should say a thousand ballots in question, whether they were fraudulent or not, in Bladen and Robeson counties, thanks to uh, Dowless's GOP absentee ballot fraud scheme that Mark Harris paid for. All the while, as the investigation has uh, pressed ahead, By the State Board of Elections over these past several months, Harris has maintained over and over and over again that he knew absolutely nothing at all about any fraud schemes or even about Dallas's history of fraud or his, by the way, criminal history. Dallas had been jailed for perjury back in the 90s regarding an insurance fraud scheme, but Harris knew nothing about that. Harris and state GOP officials contended that even if Dowless had defrauded the election over the past few months, it was not by enough votes to change the results. It shouldn't be held against Harris, since, again, he knew absolutely nothing about this uh, rapscallion Dowless and what he was up to. Here's Harris recently on a local TV news program being asked about this GOP absentee f- ballot fraud scam that was carried off on his behalf by an operative that his campaign paid at least 84000 and now looks like it was uh, about 115000 for about five months of work. So he was being asked about this. Uh, this was after this past November's election, once all of this stuff came up. All of this information came up. He was asked about whether he was aware of all of the red flags about this uh, Dallas guy over the years. You never heard one red flag? No, not in that meeting. In that meeting, it was very clear. But at all, ever? No, except, I mean, they, I would later learn that obviously there had been things that uh, in the past that had been looked into, but everything that had been looked into, everything had come out just perfectly fine. No, he knew nothing about it. Later, he found out there was some stuff in the past later on, but there was nothing there. They looked into it. Nothing to be worried about. But only later did he find out about that. But Mark Harris's repeated claims of ignorance of large-scale election fraud in his own race and, and by the contractor that he hired, all of that fell apart in just about the most dramatic way possible at the State Board of Elections public hearing on Wednesday, right after we got off air, as a matter of fact, uh, as NBC had reported last night, the son of Republican congressional candidate Mark Harris testified before the North Carolina State Board of Elections on Wednesday, saying that he warned his father about the illegal tactics of the political operative that Harris had hired, casting doubt on Harris's insistence that he had no knowledge of fraudulent election activity in last year's election. In a dramatic surprise appearance on Wednesday, which apparently neither the neither the Harris or McCready campaigns knew about this in advance, which is remarkable because this was Mark Harris's own son. And which also this testimony culminated in an emotional plea to fix the political process. That's nice. Mark Harris's son, John Harris, who, by the way, is an assistant U.S. attorney in North Carolina. 
He testified that he told his father that he had become concerned about McRae Dallas's practices after studying the 2016 congressional primary in the same 9th district. He studied it way back in 2017 before his father ended up hiring the guy anyway. Now, uh, in that race, uh, the uh, Dallas was working for a guy named Todd Johnson. Todd Johnson came in third in that race, even though he inexplicably won all but four of the 218 absentee ballots in Blade, cast in Bladen County. Harris was a candidate in that 2016 election as well. He ended up, I think, splitting those remaining four votes with the incumbent, Robert Pittenger, that year. Because, you know, neither of them hired Dowless, but Todd Johnson did. So Harris lost that primary uh, by a total of 134 votes. Uh, when the third guy got 218 absentee ballots in Bladen County, the third guy who Dallas was working for at the time. So John Harris, the son of Mark Harris, testified on the stand on Wednesday that his father, Mark Harris, who, by the way, is a is a Baptist minister. Did you know that? <laughs> no, was, I didn't. Yes, he's a minister. Uh, so he testified, uh, John Harris did, that his father decided to hire Dallas despite concerns that John, the prosecutor, gave to him. He said, did I agree with their ultimate assessment? I guess he's talking about his mom and his dad who decided to hire this uh, this guy. No, I thought what he was doing was illegal, and I was right, John Harris said on the stand on Wednesday. I expressed my concerns based on everything that I did know up to that point, namely my belief that McRae had engaged in collecting ballots in 2016. Now, that belief was based on my review of the absentee voter data that I've already described. I told him that collecting ballots was a felony. Right. It's a felony. It's illegal in North Carolina for anyone but a family member or a legal guardian to handle someone's ballot, much less collect them in bulk, change or add votes, sign them with false witness signatures and carefully mail them in a way so as to hopefully not be detected as McCray Dowless reportedly did with his uh, group of workers who went house to house to collect these things on behalf of Harris and, yes, the county sheriff. Now, earlier this week, we played some of the testimony from one of the workers, uh, for one of uh, McCray uh, Dallas's workers, detailing what the state elections director described earlier this week as these hearings began as a, quote, coordinated, unlawful, substantially resourced mail-in ballot scheme in Bladen County. The stepdaughter of McCray Dallas, woman by the name of Lisa Britt, testified uh, even though Dallas told her, don't testify, take the fifth. They got nothing on us. She testified that she would sometimes fill out incomplete ballots for Republican candidates. But yes, there is more. Harris's son, John, also provided email and text exchanges with his father about Dallas's apparent practices in the 2016 race, including an email in April of 2017, just prior to Harris hiring Dallas for the 2018 election, where he told his father that it is a felony to mail someone else's ballot and that it's a, quote, legal gray area 
even if Dallas put the ballot in the voters' own mailbox. Even that would be illegal or, as he saw it, a gray area. Dallas, for his part, was asked to testify, but he refused unless he was granted immunity, which the board declined to do. So he had instructed workers to mail ballots in uh, from in mailboxes near the voters home so as to not raise suspicions. That's how sophisticated this scheme was. That's how labor intensive he went to to yeah. to, to conceal what he was doing. I, I, I uh, John Harris said about his parents who he tried to warn, I can tell you that my view is that they did hear my concerns. John Harris also said that his father told him that he was going to hire Dallas as a contractor through a GOP consulting group called Red Dome in order to add a layer of separation from the campaign. Red Dome CEO also testified this week that Harris had hired Dallas before they had uh, before the, the Red Dome group had even hired Dallas. So whether there was a, a layer here of plausible deniability, that was wiped away because Harris already brought this guy on board before he bothered to bring on the GOP con- consulting group that he was going to try to hide behind. Now, at the end of his testimony, John Harris uh, requested to make a statement, choking back tears. Uh, he said that he thought more about his children than about his parents when he was considering uh, whether or not he would testify here in this surprise testimony. I love my dad and I love my mom. Okay. I certainly have no vendetta against them, uh, no family scores to settle. Okay. I think that they made mistakes in this process. And they certainly did things differently than I would have done them. They, uh, I think they made mistakes in this process, and they certainly did things different differently than I would have done. As he spoke, his father, Mark Harris, who was at the uh, hearings all week, he looked on, fighting back his own tears. It was kind of a remarkable photograph. Try to post that today with today's uh, program at bradblog.com. John Harris went on to add uh, in that statement, we have got to come up with a way to transcend our partisan politics and the exploitation of processes like this for political gain. He said that goes for both parties, Democrats and Republicans and libertarians, he, he added. I'm just thinking that we can all do a lot better than this. Yes, yes, we can, Mr. Harris. Uh, now, while I don't know if it's fair here to uh, to call out so-called both sides, particularly since we are talking right here and now about this case, which is a massive Republican election fraud scandal. This was strictly a GOP fraud scheme. And the U.S. Attorney's Office, for which John Harris now works, took no action when the state had referred the exact same Republican fraud scheme to them after the 2016 election. Nonetheless, uh, for, frankly, his remarkable uh, surprise testimony against his own father, I would like to bestow, and I haven't done this many, many years now, sadly, (laughs) uh, the very rarely awarded Brad Blog Intellectually Honest Conservative Award to John Harris. We have not given out one of those for years, 
But uh, Desi Doyen, a guy who is willing to step up and testify against his own mother and father with with, you know, no he doesn't have an axe to grind against them. He he loves them very much, he says. Uh, I think that takes some some courage. Indeed there. it does. And I think he I think he does deserve the Brad Bloggs coveted, coveted intellectually honest conservative award. Rarely bestowed, but who wouldn't want it? Uh and really it has been years and years since I've been able to find someone to uh to bestow to it bestow upon. It upon. <laughs> Correct. AP reported that the uh, Democratic candidate Dan McCready's attorney, Mark Elias, said after uh, the uh, testimony that uh, John Harris's testimony, along with his father's claims that he knew nothing, I don't know nothing about illegal vote gathering by his own contractor, that that undercut Pastor Harris's claims of innocence certainly does. Elias said, now we know that he was warned by his son in quite stark terms and over both phone and in emails. We know what Dr. Harris has been telling us, which is that no one warned him is patently untrue. Elias was also justifiably angered by the fact that texts and emails had been withheld by Mark Harris throughout this process, uh, proving that he was warned by his own son, a federal prosecutor, about Dallas's fraudulent activities. Harris's campaign uh, committee presented damning documents to the courtroom just 15 minutes before the son, John Harris, took the stand on Wednesday making it seem as if they, yes, intended to bury that information until this uh, testimony forced them to produce it. Josh Lawson, the attorney for the State Board of Elections, told the court about the documents this morning, Thursday morning, wanting to draw attention to and distribute copies of those uh, records while there was still time uh, to take a recess before the uh, proceedings began today so that all the attorneys could review this new information and it could be entered into evidence since it had not been over all of these months. The uh, John Harris's testimony, according to NBC on Wednesday night, could have a decisive impact as the five member board of elections weighs whether to certify the results of last November's election or call for a new election. Uh, and they did. The uh, The board is compromised of three Democrats and two Republicans. So uh, to take either action would require at least one of them on one side or the other to cross party lines, because in order to uh, have a vote either to certify the results of last November's election or call for a new election, uh, they have to get a supermajority of four votes total. So someone would have to cross over under this uh, particular makeup of the State Board of Elections. Now, today, it was Mark Harris's turn to testify himself on the stand at the State Board of Elections inquiry after that remarkable turn of events on Wednesday night when his own son testified against him. And, well, things did not go well, I think it's fair to say. Uh, as as you might imagine, in the wake of his son's surprise testimony on Wednesday, though uh, Harris and I'm surprised, frankly, that Harris even took the stand today, but he did, and he went through quite a roller coaster on the stand. Uh, Kate Riga at uh, Talking Points Memo covered much of the uh, proceedings 
And she writes that one of the biggest challenges facing Mark Harris on Thursday as he took the stand in North Carolina's disputed election hearing was to discredit his own son, whose testimony was a body blow to the Republican candidate's defense while still coming across somehow as sympathetic. Mark Harris tried to achieve this effect, uh, this effect of mixing subtle put-downs and fatherly pride, she wrote. He said that he was, quote, very proud of his son for testifying Wednesday against him, uh, an appearance that had reduced Mark Harris to tears at the time. Uh, Mark Harris continued uh, to say that John was only 27 years old when he delivered the uh, warnings to him, though he added that his son was very bright for his age. Harris created further distance between his son and the uh, local realities by adding that John was living in Washington, D.C. at the time. He had never met McCray Dallas and he had never traveled to Bladen County. So, you know, they took what he had to say with a grain of salt, what this federal prosecutor had to say with a grain of salt. He gave his son kudos for ultimately being, quote, prophetic about the situation, but crafted the gulf between him and the situation on the ground in North Carolina to imply uh, why he had vested his trust with local advisors who he says recommended Dallas rather than listening to his son, the prosecutor. Lawyers for the North Carolina Board of Elections pointed out a line in correspondence between Mark Harris uh, and his son in which Harris says, quote, the key thing that I am fairly certain they do is illegal is that they collect the completed absentee ballots. He pointed this out to him. Mark Harris said in response uh, on the stand that that was just his son's opinion. Later in the testimony, Harris got more pointed about his son, calling him, quote, a little judgmental with a taste of arrogance. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And repeating that uh, John had never met Dallas in person. He said, I love him with all my heart, but this this is a father and a son concluding that uh, he took his son's warning about Dallas as nothing more than a family conversation. He also uh, went on to uh, struggle with his own contradictory comments about Dallas. He stumbled uh, when he was asked about, uh, you know, all his contradictions earlier when he said he knew nothing about any of this stuff. Even though there was an email exchange that came out where Mark Harris had joked about Dallas not liking uh, Democrats cutting into his business, alluding to voter fraud. And then, of course, Harris went ahead and hired him anyway later. Uh, He also, by the way, there was one uh, incredible moment which Kate Riga describes as head scratching, where he said he was not aware that the campaigns can't coordinate with independent political action committees. He had no idea. He says. He says that they could not. In fact, so Board of Elections Director Kim Strack showed Harris checks that he had signed to the political action committee called Patriots for Progress, which he said he filled out in order to pay political operative McRae Dallas and to get him on his campaign. Strack pointed out that it is illegal. For an independent expenditure pack to work with a campaign, Harris said that he was not aware of that. Really? He didn't know this basic tenet of campaign finance law, even though Harris at that point by 2018, he was a two time federal candidate for office. 
so, yes, uh, it was a disaster for Mark Harris, which mercifully came to an end when, from the witness stand, Mark Harris finally announced... It's become clear to me that the public's confidence in the ninth District seat general election has been undermined to an extent that a new election is warranted. Well, hallelujah. Mark Harris, after demanding, after going to court... Uh, to demand that a, a, a federal court seat him for the U.S. House, despite all of this, despite all of this Republican election fraud, not voter fraud. The voters did nothing wrong here. It was, in fact, the operatives, the insiders, the campaign itself, as we always warn you. Despite all of that, uh, he finally said, you know what? Yeah, I I think that uh, it's pretty clear now that uh, the public won't have confidence in the results. So, yeah, we need a new election. Hallelujah. Harris's announcement, according to The New York Times, and this uh, came with just within just the past hour or so, represented an abrupt collapse of the Republican effort to stave off a new vote in the 9th District, which includes part of Charlotte. The evangelical pastor's political surrender came only after, only after a damaging 24 hours for Mr. Harris and his allies. Just before Mr. Harris called for a new election, he acknowledged finally that some of his earlier testimony had been incorrect. And with that, the entire affair uh, pretty much came to a spectacular conclusion, at least for this part of the mess. As AP reports this evening, North Carolina's elections board Thursday ordered a new election in the nation's last undecided congressional race after the Republican candidate conceded his lead was tainted tainted by evidence of ballot tampering by political operatives who worked for him. The State Board of Elections voted five to nothing, five to zero in favor of a do-over election. So I, I kind of want to say, well, good on those two Republicans uh, for coming over. Well, uh, but at this point, how could they not? Exactly. Well, you know, you say, how could they not? But, but <laughs> these are Republicans. We're well, talking they're about, Republicans and the state Republicans. You know, the guy, Dallas Woodhouse, who who heads up the, the North, North Carolina, Carolina GOP, yeah. uh, he has been going on for weeks and weeks demanding that Harris be uh, sat here, that there was not enough, fr- even if there was fraud, there was not enough to keep him out of office, that it's outrageous that the uh, voters of the 9th District have no representative in the House, and it is a shame. But in other words, he used all of the usual Republican talking points. When an election is in doubt, the Republicans always go full maximum rage. They must be seated now. Doesn't matter what happened. It's not enough. to. Ju- they'll pull out every trick in the book. And, and it took the guy's own son, the candidate's own son, to step forward and testify against them before they realized their case was done. Now, they voted, uh, the board voted 5-0 to, uh, to have a new election. They did not immediately set a date, however. In moving to order a new election, the chairman of the board, Bob Cordell, cited, quote, the corruption, the absolute mess with the absentee ballots. The Democrat in the race, Dan McCrady, uh, said on uh, Twitter immediately afterwards, quote, today was a great step forward for democracy in North Carolina. He said the voters deserve justice from the moment 
the first voice was silenced by election fraud. The vote came, as AP notes, after uh, GOP candidate Mark Harris, in that surprising turn, dropped his bid to be declared the winner and instead called for the new election. He then, Harris, left the hearing room afterward without answering questions. It was not immediately clear, by the way, whether he intends to run in the new election. Can he? Would he? Should he at this point? Uh, will Will the GOP even tolerate it? I think he'd be out of his mind to run again, and I would not be shocked at all if the North Carolina GOP did tolerate it. If they let him do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Other still unanswered questions here. Why were no charges ever brought against Dallas by the Trump Department of Justice after 2016? Even though the State Board of Elections was begging for them to do so, and even though, yes, Mark Harris's own son, John Harris, was working for that department, uh, for, for the uh, North Carolina U.S. attorney as an assistant U.S. attorney. Where are those charges? Will there be charges brought now? Exactly. Will that happen now? Will there be charges brought now, finally, after all of this, including, by the way, against Mark Harris, Pastor Harris, I'm sorry, who lied, who withheld documents, who violated campaign laws by coordinating with the Political Action Committee? And, of course, all of this underscores that, uh, hey, at least when we've got hand-marked paper ballots, as we did in the case of these absentee ballots, we can actually examine them to find evidence of fraud, to find that the signatures, oh, wow, look at all those signatures. They all match. It's like they were written by the same person because they were. Or the ink didn't match from some of the votes that voters did to some of the others that were added there. Now, Republicans, by the way, uh, have already been using this to attack Democrats by saying that uh, Democrats claim there's no such thing as voter fraud. But this was not voter fraud. Again, the voters did nothing wrong. It it was election fraud. Our friend Richard Hayes Phillips, uh, he emailed me uh, just before we went on air here. And he's a great election integrity investigator in Ohio. He's been months after the 2004 election showing all kinds of Uh, Yes, election fraud in Ohio uh, in the uh, 2004 presidential election. Uh, Richard writes in to say, uh, first, great news. NPR, on all things considered, calls it election fraud, not voter fraud. Well, that's an improvement. (laughs) Well, you would think so. But minutes later, Richard wrote another email and said, bad news. When the story was actually told, NPR called it voter fraud. The lead-in called it election fraud, but in the story they called it voter fraud. He adds, don't they know the difference? Apparently, they don't, even after all of this. So, uh, you know, just handing more ammunition to uh, Republicans to pretend there is a voter fraud conspiracy going on rather than the insider election fraud that uh, is uh, clearly uh, going on, at least in North Carolina. All right, quick break, and we will come back, and uh, we'll we'll figure out what the hell we're going to talk about because this has just you know changed all my plans. We'll figure it out right after this on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey. 
this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. Hallelujah. 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 Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yeah, hallelujah. We finally moved on at least one step from the 2018 elections, though, as I said, they ain't over. I guess we'll now be having another 2018 election here in 2019, though it could take months before we get to one there. We don't even know if there's going to be a primary first or I, if I the think, same candidates I think are I run. did read something about yeah. there being required to have a new primary along with that North Carolina new election. Well, I know. OK, you might be uh, right there. I, I, had, I hadn't have to seen it. That. I know that if the House, if the U.S. House had decided uh, to not seat Mark Harris or whoever the candidate was, then that would result in the seat being declared vacant which, if it's declared vacant, then there does have to be a primary election. Okay. But uh, So I'm not sure in this case, since this is all just uh, breaking, it'll all become clearer uh, probably uh, before we're on air again. Um, let's see here. One of the things that we sort of had to scramble today uh, to because of all of this was this remarkable story. I'll just hit it very quickly. The uh, Coast Guard lieutenant and self-described white nationalist who was arrested in Maryland last week, um, we learned again after we got off air yesterday that this guy was apparently plotting to kill a long list of prominent journalists and Democratic politicians, as well as professors, judges, and what he called, quote, leftists in general, according to federal prosecutors in a filing. Um, now, re remember last year we had, and it's our thing seems like a thousand years ago, but that guy who had targeted CNN and George Soros and a bunch of other uh, people perceived to be uh, Democrats with with pipe bombs. Remember that? Yes. I, well, I don't know that uh, many people. Do. Luckily, none of them went off. But the crazy guy with the the stickers all over his van. Huge Donald Trump fan. Uh, yeah, that happened. We've seen a spate of uh, right wing attacks, killings, murders, plans for attacks uh, in recent months. The uh, Southern Poverty Law Center recently came out with their report finding a huge uh, jump in right wing hate crimes in this country. And yesterday, Donald Trump. On the very same day, the federal prosecutors came out with this news about this Coast Guard guy. Um, Donald Trump, once again, was back on Twitter calling uh, the media, quote, enemy of the people in all caps. At the same time that L Lieutenant Christopher Paul Hassan was actually after he had been arrested on charges of illegal gun possession and um among other things, uh, these charges that they uh, detailed on Wednesday were, quote, 
proverbial tip of the iceberg. They described him as a domestic terrorist, said he should be held in detention pending trial because he, according to prosecutors in their detention memo, quote, intends to murder innocent civilians on a scare on a scale rarely seen in this country. Apparently, he had espoused extremist views for years. Uh, He had read the manifesto of Anders Breivik. He's the white supremacist Norwegian terrorist who shot and killed 77 people back in 2011. From uh, 2017 to 2019, the defendant conducted online searches and made thousands of visits for pro-Russian, neo-fascist and neo-Nazi literature, according to the uh, prosecutors. Uh, They found draft emails on his computer saying, quote, I am dreaming of a way to kill almost every last person on the earth. In another letter uh, to himself found on his computer, uh, he says, quote, I am a longtime white nationalist, having been a skinhead 30 plus years before my time in the military. The Coast Guard flagged him because of Internet searches of extremist websites at work. Yes, he worked at the Coast Guard, and I think he was a pretty uh, high official. He was in at the, Coast, the Guard. Coast Guard headquarters in Washington, D.C., inside. He was on the inside. A search of his Silver Spring, Maryland residence uh, found 15 firearms, uh, firearms, a thousand rounds of ammunition. Uh, apparently, he was searching the web for uh, MSNBC host Joe Scarborough. He compiled a list of prominent Democratic congressional leaders uh, and MSNBC and CNN media personalities. And again, this was information that federal prosecutors had before Donald Trump then again went out on Twitter in all caps calling the media the enemy of the people. They knew they had this guy who was targeting, amongst others, uh, Scarborough and MSNBC hosts Chris Hayes and Ari Melber, apparently, CNN's Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo and Van Jones. On the same day that he had compiled the list of these prominent people, which included uh, senators, uh, Blumenthal, Schumer, Warren, Kane, Gillibrand, Booker, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Maxine Waters, Elon Omar and Sheila Jackson, all people that have been uh, cited by Donald Trump. Oh, uh, Beto O'Rourke was on the list. Uh, Former Hillary Clinton campaign chair John Podesta was on the list. On that very same day he had compiled that list, he had also uh, performed Google searches for, quote, what if Trump illegally impeached? Illegally impeached? Not sure how you can illegally impeach a president. He, he uh, searched for, be, quote, best place in D.C. to see Congress people. Quote, where in D.C. do Congress live? Quote, civil war if Trump impeached and, quote, social Democrats USA. The uh, government uh, says the defendant is a domestic terrorist bent on committing acts dangerous to human life that are intended to affect governmental conduct. I don't think uh, Donald Trump has uh, said anything yet about that guy and the concerns about him. I don't suspect he will. But as uh, as Desi always says, the new name for our show, that's where we are with Brad and Desi. (laughs) 
Yes, that's where we are. All right, one more. Do I have time? Yes. Um, speaking of elections, this is a story that I had to push off from last week, but uh, there's a, a, a reported backdrop of indifference from Donald Trump's White House, according to, uh, uh, well, a report from, this is from the Daily Beast, um, that the Department of Homeland Security is allowing its teams that were created to fight election interference to simply wither and that, in fact, we are unprepared to fend off what is believed to be almost certain attempts by foreign actors to tamper with the 2020 elections, including with both election systems like voting and registration systems, as well as in the social media sphere when it comes to propaganda and, yes, actual fake news. According to the report last week from the Daily Beast by Aaron Bonko and Betsy Woodruff, the two DHS task forces that were formed in response to the alleged Russian meddling in 2016. One is a commission to protect voting systems and the other is to deal with social media uh, situations. Uh, th these two commissions at DHS have now been all but gutted uh, or at least allowed to wither as team members have been reassigned elsewhere in DHS. The teams were created primarily to ensure that other countries don't change American vote counts and to expose efforts by foreign actors to sway political opinions on social media. The department, however, says that uh, the uh, vacant roles on these commissions will, in fact, be filled again and that many of those on the two task force where they were just there temporarily, they have uh, now returned to their other jobs at DHS. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Bunko and Woodruff report that DHS employees are very frustrated that such a critical area of security is being neglected as the White House forces a massive and disproportionate amount of energy to be spent at the U.S.-Mexico border by DHS. The argument here is that Trump's DHS is now almost entirely consumed with border and immigration issues to the exclusion of pretty much everything else, including protecting our elections, which President Obama's last Homeland Security director, Jay Johnson, had declared to be critical infrastructure in order to move resources into that effort. Well, those moved resources are now fading away or withering away as we get close to the 2020 election. Um, so uh, it's it's uh, one uh, unnamed DHS official told Daily Beast that it is very curious why the task forces were demoted in the bureaucracy and the leadership has not committed resources to prepare for the 2020 election. Adding, we know Russia is going to be engaged. Other state actors have been the su have seen the success of Russia and realize the value of disinformation operations. Well, again, uh, yes, it's troubling. Curious? Absolutely. Alarming? Maybe. Surprising? Not at all. And not only because this is Trump's DHS, but even with career DHS officials in place, they admitted back in July of 2017, these weren't Trump appointees, they admitted back in July of 2017 that they never bothered to check existing systems after 2016, despite all of the surprises from the 2016 election. Here is
is, do we have a Janet? Uh, Jeanette Manfra, Manfra, an assistant yeah. secretary at DHS here in a Senate hearing exchange with Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon. Being asked whether DHS ever bothered to forensically examine the voting machines or the ballots from that 2016 election. Has the department conducted any kind of post-election forensics on the voting machines that were used in 2016? We have not, our department has not conducted forensics on specific voting machines. No, they didn't bother. That was DHS in July of 2017, what, six, seven months after the shocking uh, results of the uh, November 2016 election, DHS didn't bother. They didn't bother. So, you know, when I see that these commissions that were supposed to be uh, trying to somehow protect our elections, you'll pardon me, um, you know, I wasn't overly encouraged that they were going to be protecting our elections at all. That's why we spend so much time on this program talking about how we, the people, need to be able to oversee our elections and thus protect our own elections. And that's why we call for hand-marked paper ballots everywhere. We, we should, you know, assume that our elections are vulnerable, uh, not just from outsiders, by the way, like foreign nations, but insiders. Uh, you know, uh, former Secretary of State, now Governor Brian Kemp, or any of the thousands of elections officials and voting machine company contractors and programmers who have access to our election tabulators that split out spit out the results and that are never checked for accuracy by any human being, it seems, no matter how insane the results are. So, again, we are not going to be saved by the DHS. We never were. If this democracy is to be saved, it is because we are going to save it ourselves. There are no white knights here. Well, other than you and me. We are them. You will save us, but only if we have a fighting chance, and that's why we need voting and counting systems that can be overseen by the public so we can know the reported results are accurate. Quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. Right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. I should just forget about trying to ever catch up with uh, <laughs> all the things that I really, really want to cover on, on the show with everything that continues to go on as quickly as it does. Anyway, speaking of, let's get to it. Our latest Green News Report. The Environmental Protection Agency is being urged to take action on toxic chemicals. EPA's action plan on toxic chemicals in your drinking water? Take action later. 
Australian court blocks coal mine on climate change grounds. January was the third hottest January on record globally. Plus, the Trump administration is planning to cancel $929 million slated for California's high-speed rail project. Trump administration wants California's high-speed rail funding back. All of those take backs and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The Trump administration has called the contamination a public relations nightmare. Oh, toxic chemicals in our drinking water is a public relations nightmare. Imagine how those people dying from cancer feel. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I'll try to calm down from that toxic chemicals story for a moment. What do you have to kick us off today? Well, first up, January 2019 was the third hottest January globally since record-keeping began in the 1880s. That's according to NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. You're not calming me down. Oh, sorry. That is despite a portion of the United States experiencing that record cold polar vortex that unleashed another round of nonsense from climate science deniers. Only January 2016 and January January 2017 were hotter than last month. Remember when the Trump administration was caught last fall trying to bury its own study on two toxic chemicals found in most U.S. drinking water supplies because it would be, quote, a PR nightmare? Yes, yes, I do. Well, late last week, Trump EPA acting administrator Andrew Wheeler unveiled what he called an historic effort to limit those chemicals used in nonstick cookware and other consumer applications. And seeping into our water supply and on paper used at fast food restaurants and on our carpets and our couches and everything else. Yes, please continue. Yes, PFAS chemicals persist for hundreds of years and are linked to serious illnesses like kidney and testicular cancer and contaminate the drinking water of millions of Americans. But the EPA's historic action plan turns out to be no action, but a promise to do more research and eventually establish federal limits in drinking water. Oh, well, take your time. What's the rush? That's exactly what Democratic Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York said in a press conference when he criticized the EPA for moving too slowly. They have agreed to set an MCL. That's a good thing, a maximum level. What they haven't told us is two things. How long it'll take and will the level be stringent enough so that it really protects people. And a former official for Coke Industries, one of the most polluting companies in America, is now at the EPA, playing a key role in setting those limits on contamination, which could have major financial repercussions for his former employer. You are so not calming me down. Meanwhile, the Trump administration Department of Transportation says it is canceling a $900 million grant to the California High Speed Rail Project and is, quote, actively exploring every legal option to claw back nearly $2 billion in federal funding for the project. That's after the state's new Democratic governor, Gavin Newsom, last week announced that he is scaling back the project due to cost overruns and delays. Newsom noted that a central segment of the route is already under construction, and he called the demand, quote, political retribution by President Trump because California sued to stop Trump's border wall. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti on MSNBC agreed. Should the state of California pay that money back or not? 
Absolutely not. Um, and I think the president forgets there's a second branch called Congress. It's been appropriated by the Congress and it's being put into a project uh, that will build high-speed rail. You can't just choose your enemies and friends and decide as an imperial president to take away their funds because you don't like where they come from. Finally, some good news. A landmark ruling in Australia, the world's top coal exporter. A high court for the first time has rejected a crucial permit for a new open pit coal mine in New South Wales on the grounds that the mine will contribute to dangerous global warming. And renewable energy has muscled its way into the global energy system faster than any fuel in human history and is likely to be the world's main source of power within 20 years. That's according to the lefty tree huggers at British Petroleum. What? In its annual energy outlook, BP predicts that demand for its own oil will continue to rise, but it projects that global oil demand will peak in the 2030s, several years earlier than it predicted last Last year, and that renewables will displace coal as the world's top source of power within a decade. Wow. Well, that is good news, but it didn't help. For much Sorry. more on all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to, stop by our website, please, at greennews.bradblog.com. You can make me feel better by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi and me celebrate 10 years of the Green News Report over your public airwaves, as we are doing this week. Thanks to those of you who have already stopped by bradblog.com slash donate. Find, follow, and share us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. To admit it's getting better. Can't get no worse. Yeah, we'll just say that. Maybe it can. Just a quick follow-up on that EPA water contamination study that they've been putting off making any rules for on our website at greennews.bradblog.com. We have linked to an interactive map where you can check in your own community to see if you are one of the communities affected by the PFAS contamination. Which, uh, from, from Teflon, that's been going on for years... So, uh, yeah, greennews.bradblog.com. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. My thanks as well to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion today, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. I am on the Facebooks and the Twitters, raising hell there as well. Hope you'll find, follow, and share what we do there. I am simply the Brad Blog, and my thanks to those of you who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help uh, Desi and I keep going with 10 years of the Green News Report, 15 years of bradblog.com. Couldn't do it without you, so thank you. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.